Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like Albert Pujols, is mostly here for moral support. My name is <laughs> Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hello! And this week, we are going to be talking about the triumphant return of Albert Pujols. We're going to continue to talk about news and notes from spring training. We're going to talk a little bit about roster construction, and we're going to talk about some winners and losers from this offseason. you have an idea for the opening joke tweet us at talk about birds well benny boy how you doing today nate i'm feeling fantastic i'm feeling giddy i'm feeling younger i'm feeling thinner i think i've lost weight in the past few days um no i feel giddy i feel fantastic it, it's uh it's this crazy thing well really what it comes down to, I never thought Pujols would be wearing a Cardinals uniform again, unless it was in some type of pregame ceremony situation or riding out on a, a red convertible that was donated by Lou Fuse Ford or something like that. Um, I, I was I was watching the presser on my iPad, laying in bed, you know, with my like chin shoved into my chest and just smiling like a little boy. Uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. I. I couldn't be happier, and, and I, I don't want to uh, gatekeep Cardinal fandom. You're allowed to have your opinions, but I don't understand how you can be a Cardinals fan that grew up in the time frame that we grew up and not be, you know, uh, unbelievably excited about this signing. Uh, so that that's where I'm at right now. I'm all in my feelings. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I think we're we're going to talk here in a moment about like realistic expectations from a performance side. Of, no, of, no, uh, we will pools. not. This is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I agree 100%. I remember still uh, laying in bed uh, when the... We're both just talking about laying in bed here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when uh, <laughs> This is good. Uh, when, when we learned that Pools had signed with the Angels. And the the full run of emotions that came with that. And uh, from the very beginning, I've always been more on the side of, I was never mad at Pujols. Um, I think he made the, the right decision for himself and his family. Obviously, I would have liked for him to stay with the Cardinals. Um, but we still don't truly know what those offers were, what, what it came down to. But what we do know is that the Angels offered him an absurd amount of money. And he took it because I think that's what almost everyone would do in his situation. And I've never held it against him. I've remained an Albert Pujols fan since he left the Cardinals. Of course, it's been a little bit easier, too, because he's been generally not very good or or um, very effective for the Angels. So it's also worked out on a baseball level. Um, but all this time, I, I had hoped somehow, maybe... Uh, the Cardinals would be able to bring him back even just at like a ceremonial last at bat. I would have been for like last year when, uh, when he was cut by the angels and it looked right. like the Cardinals were done. I was all on board with the sign Albert Pujols, uh, bring him in, let him finish his career last year with the Cardinals. doesn't matter anyway. We're not going to compete. Let's bring him in. Uh, but now with the NLDH and, uh, 
you know, his success against lefties last year, there was to a degree a baseball argument for why this should should work. And besides all of that, uh, yeah, I've, we're we're recording right now where uh, during uh, it's Wednesday. And there's a spring training going spring training game going on right now that the Cardinals are exploding in. And it's, it's fantastic. But included in that is Albert Pujols first hit back as a Cardinal. And I've watched the, the replay that Katie Wu tweeted like 400 times. Cause I just, it's so much fun to see Pujols uh, as a Cardinal again. And I was getting emotional too, just watching him, uh, you know, kind of awkwardly sit on that stool on that stage <laughs> uh, outside the complex uh, when he came out on the field and was waving and everyone was going nuts, it just, I, I could not believe that this has happened. And uh, I'm excited and I agree with you. Like, it, it, this is a time to be happy about signing Albert Pools. We'll have plenty of time to be upset about Albert Pools on the team when we're actually playing baseball. Why not be excited about it right now? Yeah, I, I think that you can be nostalgic and be hopeful and, and hope for good things. But I also think, like, it need like, and everyone listening to this episode knows this, but the reason that this happened is because the NL changed their rules. Right. If we didn't have a DH, this wouldn't be happening. Right. Um, so that makes it all so much easier. And yeah, I agree with you. I think the, the ways that I was feeling around when Miami and the angels were, were courting Pujols back in the day. Um, I, I definitely had a lot of feelings and I don't think I ever had like anger pointed out Albert Pujols or anything like that. But if anything, it was more at the DeWitts and Mo for right. just not making it happen. Um, I'm definitely of the opinion that it's not my money. So go get the guy that I want to watch. All that to be said, I think it's great for the team. I think it's great for the younger players. And there's baseball sense to it. I know we're going to get more into that. Um, but, you know, there, there's a very specific use case for Albert Pujols on the offensive side. And I think, you know, the way that Ali is kind of talked about using his roster, um, I think the Cardinals philosophy is going to be very much focused on using all 26 guys. I think that's going to be a big change from the way that Schilt and Matheny ran the team is that every seat on the bench and every seat, just every every player is going to be utilized to a degree that makes a lot more sense going forward. Um, and Pujols has, everyone knows it, he has a case. He smashes lefties um, that aren't throwing super hard, and there are enough of those guys in the league that this makes sense. Yeah. Um, and again, all the feels, like, I <laughs> I am probably going to buy a ticket and fly out to St. Louis and buy tickets that are way too expensive for a series that probably won't mean anything for the Cardinal standings because I want to be there for Albert and Yachty and Wayno's last game, which the front offices keep saying in a weird way. But <laughs> Yeah, the front office sure seems to think it's going to be Wayno's last <laughs> year, but Wayno is not ready to say it. We've talked about uh, you know, why we think yeah. this may not be Wayno's last year uh, a number of times, but um, it has been funny to see them like the, the, uh, the, the last day of the year, the, the promotions, and they may switch them up now, but uh, like Friday is a Wayno bobblehead, Saturday is right. a Yachty bobblehead, and then Sunday is a like a canvas print that is the two of them together. Uh, all of that can still be good and effective even if Wayno doesn't retire. But it's like they're giving Yachty and Wayno equal stage on that last weekend. Right. And uh, it's going to be great when Wayno pitches till he's 45. Oh, and, you, uh, you have to the think. 
you have to think that you know the once the bobblehead factory at at a at, on bobblehead court saw that mm-hmm. Pujols was signing with the Cardinals, they were scrambling to get a bobblehead together for that weekend, and you know the Cardinals are going to be ordering forty thousand of those or whatever. Yeah. So famous factory. Um, I mean, on bobblehead court. <laughs> They're well. They're just off Bobblehead Lane, of course. Um, we been. We all know this. You don't need to. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, they've talked about it. They talked about it a little bit in the presser. I, I think Yachty's talked about it a little bit. Wayno's talked about it. Everybody's talking about it. But it is as storybook of an ending as you can imagine. It is there, and especially if there is some success in the season, um, if the Cardinals can make any kind of a deep run. Um, I don't think as a fan of this team for like we are, I don't think that we could ask for anything more. Um, I'm very happy. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, I, I, I think I can leave it there, but I'm very happy about the move. Well, on, on Yachty and Wayno, apparently, you know, the, the front office wasn't necessarily going to make this move of their own accord. Uh, I guess Yachty, uh, got on his horse and and went to uh, Mazalak and really, really lobbied for this signing, um, and they obliged. Which I don't know how how much I generally am for like the players convincing you know the GM to make a move. I think those are two different perspectives. But like uh, I I think that's great. I think um, you know the the bigger part of this signing outside of the potential for a, a good baseball use case is uh, something that I think is generally overblown, but probably not in this case, which is that sort of veteran bench guy who's who knows everything and is going to teach the younger players. There are already reports out of spring training about people just circling holes and him being very free and open with with guidance and, and information like Think if you're uh, Juan Yapez or Nolan Gorman um, or even like a Carlson or um, or like an O'Neill. And now you have, besides Arenado and Goldschmidt, you now have Albert Pujols uh, in the box next to you too. Like you really can't get much better guidance than that. Pujols has always uh, been seen as a mentor. Mike Trout has talked about how much Pujols impacted his game. And Mike Trout might be the best play baseball player of all time. And he talked about how much <laughs> Albert Pujols has made him a better player. So uh, like I said, I generally don't buy into these sort of intangible storylines that much, but I, I don't see how you could disagree or argue with this one. And I think uh, like you said, I do anticipate the Cardinals using Albert Pujols in a very selective and smart way. I'm hoping that he ends up with somewhere around 150 plate appearances and so with that limited of an access, even if we do get a, like sort of a worst case scenario from a, a baseball production standpoint, it's not going to tank this team. And 150 at-bats being a taken away from guys like Yepes or Gorman, which was my concern with adding anyone, let alone uh, someone like Pools, um, that's not going to stall their career in the way that you know, people are saying that Albert Pujols now blocks people. Um, yes, but again, we're a, a very limited window. Um, and he could return to what he did in, in 2021 and actually serve as a really good uh, bat off the bench, which the Cardinals struggled with last year. The bench was trash. Yeah. So adding Corey Dickerson and Albert Pujols 
is actually trying to solve one of the problems that the Cardinals had last year. Now, I do want to say, um, I think that we are probably being very overzealous on a small sample size for Pujols in 2021. If you look at his last five years, he has a 98 WRC plus against lefties. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with WCR plus 100 is basically league average. So he's been slightly uh, WRC, right? What did I say? CR. Oh, thank you. You fool. Oh my God. WRC plus. <laughs> so he's actually been slightly below average against lefties uh, in the last five years. But Hey, we're not looking at that right now. We're excited. Well, Pools is back. That that is that is a, a fact and a figure that is uh, inarguable. But also, <laughs> he wasn't being utilized like he was on the Dodgers. Time yeah. off is important for older players. That's that's a fact of baseball. That's a fact of life. So I think you know if he is fresher than he was, like like how he was being deployed with the Dodgers, then I think you know that that it's definitely too you know age and rest and and lefty matchups and all these things are kind of pulling. But I do think, you know, properly utilize him staying healthy, him staying fresh. I think it's okay for Carter. I, I don't I don't think it's too pie in the sky to assume that he can come in and hit uh, lefties pretty well. Yeah. And honestly, if he just averages a 100 WRC plus, he's still probably going to be better off the bench than what we had last year. Just league average yeah. would have oh, felt nice sure. when we were rolling Matt Carpenter out there. Love him. Yeah. Future Cardinal Hall of Famer. But oh my God, it was... It was uh, it was rough having him off the bench. Uh, yeah. All the um, time. Another and this is I don't know. I, I don't know if this is even a good stat or not. So you just tell me to <laughs> if this is stupid. But I was kind of, you know, pouring through BRF pages for Albert and, and Fangraphs pages for Albert and all this and just kind of looking to see what kind of player we're going to be getting um, since we haven't watched him on a daily basis <laughs> in a decade. Um, obviously watch the highlights and everything. And the guy can still hit the ball out of the ballpark, which is going to be a ton of fun. That first home run he hits at Bush. I mean, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to pee my pants. Um, so baseball reference has a stat. Are you going to, you're purposefully going to pee your pants? Is that like (laughs) planning it? I'm going to drink an extra large diet Coke (laughs) and just wait. Um, and I will make sure to put that on Twitter so all the everyone can like and share that around. Um, but uh, so if you go to the splits pages in Baseball Reference, they have something that is fairly new to me, maybe not new to everybody, but it's the uh, players' stats and their splits against power and finesse pitchers. Um, and Pools has some – I'm just looking at the numbers from last year. So, again, I'm, I'm kind of focusing on the Dodgers' tenure. Uh, but this also includes his Angels' numbers last year. Um, and it does not delineate between left-handed and right-handed pitchers. So this is just a power pitcher. Um, and there's a, a long definition in here for what a, a power pitcher is and a finesse pitcher. But I think everyone can make an assumption of what yeah. that means, right? Right. Um, so Pujols, as you might imagine, a 41-year-old uh, does not do very well against power pitchers. His OPS last year was 543, um, which obviously bad. 21 strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, 21 strikeouts and 59 plate appearances, not great. But what is interesting is against finesse pitchers, uh, which he had 169 plate appearances, so slightly larger sample size than what we were talking about with lefties only. Uh, he's got a batting average of 268, a slug of 529, 
uh, totaling up to an OPS of 836. Uh, that's an OPS plus on baseball reference of 116. So I think that's another interesting thing to think about. If you have somebody who is a, not necessarily a Zach Davies, but somebody who you would not qualify as a, as a, uh, a power pitcher, this guy can come in and might be effective against Right, wily righties who are throwing a little bit lower velocity. And I think that's something that can come really interesting, especially if you're looking at, you know, some of the guys in the back of Milwaukee's bullpen, some of the guys in the back of Cincinnati Reds bullpen and other bullpens out there, like the Brad Boxberger type guys that can come in and get you out with movement and finesse. It's another thing that Pujols might excel in. Now, again, I'm the first one to admit 169 plate appearances does not make a baseball player. But something that I assume the Cardinals are aware of, and and maybe Ali Marmol will find spots that make sense for that. And and I yeah. think just to add on top of that, a lefty finesse pitcher, you can argue Albert should be the first one off the bench, right? Or starting, right? Um, if it's or the starting, starting pitcher, right. um, the I think the projected starter right now for the Pirates on opening day is Jose Quintana. Uh, so very likely we're going to have Pujols in if the- if there was. <laughs> Ever a lefty finesse pitcher that is Jose Quintana, especially nowadays. Yeah. What a uh, career for Jose Quintana. You know, at one point, the 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 young star uh, pitcher for, what was it, the White Sox? And then the uh, Cubs very much paid the White Sox in order to get him. And then yeah, an entire Eloy. Yeah. Yeah, it was Eloy, wasn't it? It yeah. was, and um, one I, I have Eloy. to imagine that Theo regrets that trade because Quintana didn't really do much for him, and no. Eloy Jimenez is a budding superstar. Yeah, uh, and now he's the opening day starter for the Pirates, which <laughs> is, you know, hey, opening day starter, um, but then it's like, name the second starter for the Pirates, and things start to fall apart very quickly. Yeah, Steven uh, Brault? We, uh, yes. Maybe? Maybe. Uh, that's all very interesting, Ben. I, I think, um, you know, I think you've defined what the use case is and with the 26 man roster and 28 to begin the season, uh, I think you can carry a guy like this if you're going to use him yep. smartly. I mean, like you said, the Dodgers picked him up for a reason. The Dodgers are a very smart organization. And then he excelled with the Dodgers. Uh, if we can trust that the Cardinals will, use him in a similar way, then I think we can expect some good uh, results. Not anything near, you know, peak Albert Pujols, of course, but uh, still probably better than what we would have gotten off the bench. Um, it, you know, again, yeah, if and, he's I, and I think, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I don't think you can discount all the things you were talking about earlier, the spending time with players on the bench, walking them through situations I don't know if we're going to see Tyler O'Neill go to 50 home runs this year, <laughs> but him having his thought process, you know, filtered by Albert Pujols is good. <laughs> However that plays out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. And you know, if, if Albert Pujols ends up with 250 plate appearances, then I think the Cardinals probably have bigger problems than Albert Pujols. Uh, so it, it's hard to see where this could really go wrong. The only thing that I think, is a, a unique situation about this that could be a problem um, that we, we won't face with someone like Corey Dickerson is that no matter how bad Pujols is, 
the Cardinals will not cut him. He is a part of this team yes. until the end of the season, unless he chooses otherwise. So, Agreed. Uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't come to anything like that. Um, but there's zero percent chance that yeah. the Cardinals make the choice for him to not be on the roster anymore. But we'll hope yeah, it doesn't I, get anywhere near that point. But just something I was thinking about the other day. Yeah, now you that that is a very good point, and I really hope that we never have to talk about that again. Um, yeah, something I'll also throw out there is you know we were talking about like the doomsday scenario a couple episodes ago. Let's say if the do- Cardinals doomsday doomsday scenario does happen, uh, then that means we're just uh, watching all summer Albert try to get to seven hundred home runs. <laughs> That's a good uh, point. He probably starts four or five days a week, and he's just launching balls until he gets to seven hundred. So Might at least well. it adds that little fun flavor into it yeah a little yeah. little insurance for the uh the possible explosion of the cardinals roster we've got a couple milestones to look forward to this year while the Pujols home run one is i mean yeah there's he needs, he 21. needs 21 yeah uh, it's not going to happen um even yeah. with full playing time it'd still be kind of hard i think for him to get there in one year uh at this point but um i the other one i'm looking forward to is the the wayno and yachty uh record i think they need 20 more starts to break the the record for most um starts as like as battery mates uh which is a truly incredible record that is one of those records that people considered unbreakable because of how baseball has changed uh these guys who said it it's like you know early 1900s stuff where they're probably starting five games a week (laughs) and uh you know it, it just it does not seem possible even in this from how the game has been played for the last 50 years so you know this was generally considered an unbreakable record uh and now they are on the cusp of it they're not there yet so you know hopefully uh this is i think it really comes down to health for the two of them because uh, no matter what they're gonna they're they're gonna play even if they're not performing well right. they have a starting spot locked in uh, so as long as they both stay healthy you can assume that they will break this record and and that is tremendous uh i i'm so excited for it 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 is wild and amazing we're lucky to see what's happening and what's crazy to think about is if wayno didn't have those what two and a half ish seasons that were kind of taken away by injury they would have obliterated it they're they're likely to pass it now um but yeah we're really watching something that you nailed it like this will never happen again i i saw something the other day and i might get this a little bit wrong but the uh the the only player that was drafted in the '90s that is still playing today is Albert Pujols, and then the only players that were drafted in 2000 that are still playing today are Wayno and Yachty. <laughs> yeah, you know that's not a great stat, uh, but I don't think we need to talk about the aged Cardinals just yet. Maybe we can talk about that next week. Yeah, um... we'll, we'll ride high on it for a week. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It can't yeah. possibly go wrong. <laughs> that that is the market inefficiency is people don't understand that forty year old players are where it's at. <laughs> hey, we you know uh, the the seventeen game win streak was built on the back of several old men. So uh, okay. yeah. you know, I think we're on to something. Most right. playing forty chess out there. Let's uh, let's move on a little bit. Um, uh, but it's just fun to talk about Pujols again in in, in such it a is. positive way. Uh, so I feel like we could keep doing this, but. Let's move yeah. on. Um, we've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but we're getting a little bit more information, a little bit more insight into how Ali Marmol uh, intends to utilize the roster and, and every bit of it. 
Um, I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely seeing hints that they intend to take a more um, strategic approach than maybe Mike Schilt did, you know, maybe not Matt Carpenter in the cleanup spot when he plays, <laughs> uh, have some faith. We, we believe that it's really this sort of stuff that led to those philosophical differences that resulted in the immediate removal of Mike Schultz as the Cardinals manager. Yeah. And um, I know you had uh, found some interesting information on this that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So I, what kind of got me started on this was, is reading a Derek Gould article um, as I tend to do because Derek is awesome. He's um, great. Shout out Derek Gould. You should come on the episode <laughs> or an episode um, if you want please. Uh, so there, there's this little excerpt in one of his recent articles that came out last week. Um, and I'll just read the quote and that'll, we can kind of chat about it. But uh, quoting from him said, Marmol, uh, Marmol has likened the use of the DH to the line change lineup San Francisco used effectively, swapping multiple bats out of the lineup during a game to maximize matchups. So I, I think that's something that's, that's really interesting. And it kind of led me down a little bit of a rabbit hole. And I was curious to what degree the Cardinals were using these kinds of line changes or and platoon advantages compared to other teams in the league. Um, and I think there's some interesting information. So I'm just going to kind of talk about that a little bit and we can, we can kind of give our opinions, I suppose. But the Cardinals last year under Mr. Schilt had a 44% platoon advantage. Um, and this is looking at all at bats. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's righty on lefty and lefty on righty would be the, uh, platoon advantage. So the Cardinals had 44% league average was 53%. So obviously just looking at that, there's a, a there's, you know, room to grow. Now, um, and I was curious, a, is this sorry just for when the team is using a pinch hitter or is it just, um, like line up every single at bat across the entire season? What was the, yeah, the num- advantage? The numbers I'm pulling is every single at bat. It's just okay. how the team lines up against pitching, very generally. Um, so like I said, the, the last year, the league average was 53%. The Cardinals were sitting at 44%. It's curious what the giants were doing. The giants were at 58%. So obviously a, a bit above average and a couple of teams that were in the top, the tigers actually with AJ Hinch had the best platoon advantage over mm-hmm. the entire season, 67%. Um, now that to me, you know, that speaks to tigers having some switch hitters and also just not being that great of an offensive team. So him really having to put players in the best position to be successful. Yeah. And if you paid attention to the Tigers, they had a pretty solid second half. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, the Rays were also among the top teams. They had 62%. Um, so it's definitely this, you know, this, I think the smarter teams are going this way. Uh, but something I did want to call out, and unfortunately I didn't write down the percentage because I'm an idiot, um, but the Blue Jays had the lowest percentage. Um, I think that more speaks to the fact that they have play hitters who can hit anything um, like Vladdy, like Bobachet. Yeah, you don't need to replace, um, move those guys around their, their line, yeah. uh, George Springer, um, George Springer, even though he was yeah. hurt a lot of the season. I mean, their lineup is so stacked. They're probably not making as many changes to their lineup um, as other yeah. teams. And I bring that up because it's, it's definitely is not a one size fit all it, it's, yeah. you know, there are certain teams that are stacked. Like you're talking about um, the Yankees were also lower in that. If you have big mashers, go let them eat. You don't really need to do much tinkering, but I would say the Cardinals offense has room to grow. Um, so anyways, I thought that that was interesting. And I, you have to imagine that based on those numbers, 
based on some things that Ali has said, based on some things that Mo has said, that is going to be a huge point of emphasis going into this season. Yeah, uh, which I am very excited about. Um, I think we have, uh, going as far back as Mike Matheny, uh, this sort of stuff has felt lacking from the team. We thought we were going to get that with Schilt, and uh, we didn't really. Schilt brought a lot of good things to the team. We generally liked him. We talked about that on our first episode, but this was a clear opportunity for him. And I am very much into the idea of of mixing and matching. The Cardinals lineup is not very set outside of right. the, the middle three. We don't know yet who's going to be our leadoff hitter. Uh, I'm lobbying for Carlson, which they're obviously trying out right now, which I think would be fantastic. Um, but after Goldie O'Neill Arenado it could be anything and I'd really love to see the team utilize the new DH spot to not only cycle rest around and get in these, uh, these specialized hitters like Pujols, um, but also, yeah, like this, like you're saying here, exploit the platoon advantage as much as you possibly can. Cause I, I don't think, like you said, it's a one size fits all, but I think for this team, they're going to need to do something like that where there's right. a lot of, question marks in the lineup or or at least there's some uh inconsistencies in the lineup (laughs) yeah and i think it it also just goes to you know day in and day out lineup construction if you have a uh a lefty that you know bader has either had success against or you believe he'll have success again against because of the profile of that pitcher's stuff move him up put him at one put him at five Um, Because we've seen if he's in the right situation, he can get behind a ball. I think, uh, Nate, you slacked me or or we were talking about Jim Edmonds calling for uh, or saying that Bader is capable of 35 home run power. Put him in the right situation. Maybe we'll see that. Oh, man. Jim Edmonds has been calling for the Bader breakout for like, you know, five years uh, now. and. There's nothing more. Good good. There's, good there's good. nothing Jim Edmonds likes more than talking about himself, and he <laughs> um, he really believes that Vader is uh, is 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 a young him. Uh, so he <laughs> he keeps projecting 35 home runs onto onto Vader. Yeah. Uh, which hey, that'd be great. Uh, I was sure. watching the game the other day, and I forget what player it was, but Jim Edmonds says. I like this kid. I think he's got a little Jim Edmonds in him. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he was talking uh, about plate approach. It's like, you can't just compliment the guy's plate approach. You need to tie his plate approach to your own plate approach. Uh, right. Yeah. We knew, we know see, you were good. See what I would do here is I'd probably go catch that ball in center, then come back and hit a home run because, yeah. you know, it's yeah. my style. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I was talking about this on Twitter the other day, but I think that uh, if you're going to have Jim in the in the booth, you need to have Brad Thompson in the booth. So some, yeah. a little bit of humility goes a long way, <laughs> and Jimmy just doesn't have it. They might be opposite uh, broadcasters, yes. Jim Edmonds and, and Brad Thompson. I, and and I really like Brad Thompson, and uh, Jim Edmonds kind of drives me crazy. Yeah, Brad Thompson cracking jokes about getting lit up by uh, people is like, I'm, I'm here for that all year. Yeah. That's great. Jim Edmonds telling us how great he is. <sighs> not very charming. Not a not super fun to listen to, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well, he can certainly break down a, uh, a plate approach. I like it when he's actually talking yes. about what, what the guys are doing. Um, and 
uh, you know, I saw him break down uh, someone's uh, swing the other day and he was talking about like the micro elements of where your foot lands and all of that. Mm-hmm. I was like, that was wonderful. You know, I just don't need to hear about yourself. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we also heard a, uh, a great take from uh, Ali Marmal regarding Jordan Hicks. Uh, I'll be paraphrasing here, but it was basically, it's really neat having 104 out of the bullpen. Yes. I know he, he called, called it neat. neat. <laughs> yes, he did. So, um, well, it kind of contradicts everything that we've been talking about uh, with expectations yeah. regarding Jordan Hicks. Uh, we keep, we've been hearing and we've been saying, let's dial it down. Let's get in, get him in the starting rotation. Uh, let him sit 97, 98, you know, gas up to 101 or two when he really needs it, but sit lower and be more consistent. And then Ali Marmal says, I like having 104, 105 <laughs> out of the, out of the bullpen. I say, let him throw. So I don't know. What do yeah. you think, Ben? What are we getting out of Jordan Hicks? I, I mean, this go, kind of goes back to the conversation we were having with C70 at Meet Me at Mutual last week, which uh, definitely check out that pod if you haven't yet. Um, C70, shout out. Uh, you know, if you know the guy can come out of the bullpen and throw a hundred plus mile an hour sinker, it's, of course, it is yeah. extremely tempting for any big league manager who's trying to win right now to just do that. We are talking about he is an unknown quantity as a starter in the MLB. He is a very, very known quantity and a, a, a hitter befuddler um, coming out of the bullpen. So I'm not shocked to hear this. Yeah, I do think it probably subtracts from his overall development in the, in the future Jordan Hicks, a starter that we would all like to see. Maybe it pushes that back one year. Maybe he go, becomes a Trevor Rosenthal and just becomes a, you know, a relief ace that hopefully let's say healthier than Rosenthal. Um, but I think that's what we're going to see. I pretty much think that him saying that that's neat. That's the cosign. That is, that yeah. is Jordan it Hicks is future is, for right? this season. Yeah. I, well, I think you could get a little bit of both too. Um, the bullpen there's a lot of arms out there right now that we all think could be really good. Obviously there's Gallegos and then there's Hicks, Helsley, uh, Cabrera. Uh, some of these guys that seem to maybe be competing for a fifth spot, but are doing well for Hagen Brooks. Uh, there, there's a lot of arms out there. And so you could see a world where maybe Hicks starts in the bullpen. And again, this is best case scenario, but, Suddenly, the Cardinal bullpen is very deep and very good, and we can afford to have Hicks take a step back, start doing maybe long middle relief to stretch out a little bit before taking a crack at the rotation if it's needed. Maybe he goes down to AAA to stretch out to work on it. Um, you know, you can see both of these happening, but let's start the season with where we know he's been effective and where there is very likely a need at least to start. Um, so maybe we get both, you know, uh, that would, that would, I think it hinges on, Oh, I'm sorry. I think it hinges on, ideal. yeah, I think it hinges on success. You know, if Cardinals <laughs> pitching is being successful, yeah. you can go do that. If not, we're hitting the emergency button and everyone's freaking out and looking for strikeouts and in innings. But yeah, I would, I, I like your scenario the best. Yeah, I'd love to see him start to maybe get some piggyback starts, uh, you know, in middle of the season where he's coming in in the fourth or the fifth to throw two or three innings. And then by the end of the season, he's getting starts. Um, yeah. Cause we're going yeah, to, there, there's going to be openings on this rotation. We, we know it. Yeah. The idea of having to start your, your game, your plate appearance, your first plate appearance of the day against somebody like Jordan Hicks does just sound, 
nightmarish. I, I don't even know. Yeah, it's it's going to be close to triple digits, and he might not know where it's going. Good luck. Might be an argument for the opener, which we talked a lot about on, on C70's podcast, where uh, we're not really playing platoon advantages, nothing like that. You're just throwing them out there to scare the shit out of the, <laughs> like, just ruin their day. You know, they go and yeah. they take 105 in on the hands, and, and they're just uncomfortable for, like, a week straight after that. Uh, I could see that being a valuable use of the opener. I'm going to tweet at Ali Marmal right now and... <laughs> Hey, bro, we got an idea for you. <laughs> um, so before we go into our next segment, I want to take uh, a moment to uh, shout out our Patreon. Remind everyone that this show is supported on Patreon. If you are enjoying the show and want to support it, want to continue uh, to support its growth, um, find us on patreon.com slash talking about birds where you can join our slowly growing discord we'd love to have you join our community uh ben where can people find us online yeah please uh give us a follow a like and a, a tweet on, on twitter at talk about birds um that's you know i think probably we're we're most active right now um we're also slowly working on you know building up our instagram that is talking about birds, talking about birds on Instagram. Uh, please give us a follow, a like, and all that good stuff over there. We appreciate that greatly. Uh, if you have any questions for the show, any comments, um, as I alluded to last week, if you want to ask Nate personal things about his life and how it's going, and, um, you know, I, I, we were talking about pizza. He's got many interests. He's a gardener. Um, he is a homeowner. I uh, know he's finishing <laughs> his basement. Ask him questions about that. Hit us up at talking about birds. Or I'm sorry, talk about birds at gmail.com. Um, and of course, you can also ask us baseball questions and cardinal questions in there as well. Um, outside of that, I also wanted to point out that we are on Spotify. If you prefer you use the Spotify app, check us out on there. Um, and of course, like, subscribe, give us reviews. All that stuff goes a long way. And uh, tell your Cardinals friends about us. We, we really appreciate it. Um, we're slowly ramping up here till the season starts and we're, we're getting excited. Yeah. Um, we really appreciate the support we've seen so far and any, in uh, any way that you choose to support the show, we are deeply appreciative of. So thank you everyone. Uh, all right, Ben, let's talk a little bit more uh, about the, uh, we're, we're nearing the end of spring training, right? Uh, which feels pretty crazy because it, it, it did kind of just start, but that's the world we live in now. Um, yeah. Uh, we're, we have this episode, the next week's episode will come out on opening day, which is exciting. Uh, so we're starting to get a, a clearer picture of the roster, but not a fully clear picture. So we have a kind of a, a, com a combination of interesting elements, the, the shorter spring training, and then now also the expansion of rosters for April. Um, where do you see these last few spots in the roster going? Uh, the 26th, the 27th, yeah. and 28th man. Yeah, I think, well, you know, Albert Pujols definitely, I wouldn't say throws a wrench into this, but definitely, like you said earlier in the episode, one of those spots is his. Albert Pujols yep. is getting a roster spot. That is for sure for sure happening. Um, outside of that, it, I would have to, I would use pen to write down Lars Newbar's name, right? It just yeah. seems like that, especially with his performance last year. Um, 
you know, the, I know they, they keep talking about the level swing plane and his attitude. <laughs> level, and, level swing plane. Sure. <laughs> All of that great <laughs> stuff. So, you know, I think we'll probably lock in those two guys. I really have to admit, I want Sosa to be on the starting lineup and I want him kind of taking starts away from Paul DeYoung at some point too. I, I'm, I'm pretty high on him. I'm curious to see what he does this year. He's so toolsy. DeYoung's having a hot spring. Yeah. He's had a hot spring in the past though, so I'm not sold yet. <laughs> He had a dinger today, three-run shot. He was three for three before we started recording. So, good. that's good. <laughs> More of that, please. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out, but I, I'm still, I, I, the more I watch Sosa, the more I'm high on that and the more I want him kind of taking at-bats in the big leagues. Anyways, all that to be said, I am starting to really get on this Brendan Donovan bandwagon. Yeah. Um, He's older. He, you know, he's, he can play all around the diamond. The left-handed bat is a huge boon. Um, he looks fine at third base. We know he can play second. He can pick up the corner outfields too. Um, he hasn't had a ton of success uh, in spring training. So that might make it not happen, but age wise, his ability, like where he slots into the lineup and where he slots up into uh, the team defensively, that is kind of the direction that that would be who I, I guess I'm pegging as my, my 26th man or, or, or 27th man, one of the guys on that is definitely on the outskirts, but I think adds value. And I'd like to see him break with the team right away. Um, that being yeah, said, but then that, I, that completely blocks uh, Spangenberg. <laughs> Nate's guy, Spangenberg, <laughs> the 30 year old lefty from Japan who is mm-hmm. now, I don't, I, we haven't even seen him in a game. He's not going to do anything. He was up. He was um, on the, the backfield game the other day. That's where stars are made. Um, I thought you were going to say, what about blocking? Um, oh my God. Uh, Nolan Gorman. Uh, yeah. but he just got sent down to triple a it's done. Yeah. Gorman is, uh, I, I think he is a, a casualty of the pool hole signing, but I'm starting to get the feeling he wasn't going to make the team anyway. Um, yeah. not the most exciting spring. And I think there is no clear position need for him just yet you and I are not super high on Tommy Edmond as a starting long-term second baseman. Uh, but that doesn't mean he isn't also just still a gold glove second baseman who does provide value. So I don't think the Cardinals feel the need to force someone like Gorman into the majors and are just taking the sort of standard top pop prospect growth trajectory of right keeping him in every day at bats until there's a place for him to play on a regular basis, uh, which will come eventually. Um, so I, I am bummed about it because I wanted to see Gorman in the majors. I wanted to see him splitting at bats at DH with uh, Yepes. That was my projected like opening day DH was splitting Yepes and, and Gorman. Yeah. And then now it's Pujols and Dickerson, which uh, never would have you know, my, my opening day bracket would have been busted long ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I uh, but I also, I, I get it. I think it's fine. I, I'm not too bummed about Gorman being uh, sent to triple a, because again, I think this is actually the kind of the standard progression. And it's not like there were going to be a ton of at bats for him anyway. Yeah. But, I, I like the scenario where he goes down clubs in triple a and then forces his way into the lineup. And I think what you're talking about, like, the Cardinals are very conservative when it comes to this kind of stuff. They're going to keep being conservative. It's not going to be super exciting, but it is probably 
probably the smart pathway forward. Yeah. Um, Juan Yepes, though, still seems on track to to uh, make the roster as a bench bat. Um, but between all these guys that we have been listing now, Yepes, uh, Sosa, Donovan, Spangenberg, there's going to be uh, <laughs> so someone's not going to make the cut, you know. And I know it's not going to be Spangenberg because the team's going to need also some. Uh, um, they're, they're expanding rosters, I think, mostly for pitching. So we'd yeah. be, I think we're wrong in any sort of assumption that these additional spots are going to be taken by additional bats, especially with how much the Cardinals' starting roster is it's pretty set. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I bet Donovan starts in the minors, and you're getting Sosa uh, on the starting roster. You're getting Yepes, Pujols, Dickerson, and Newbar. Are the, yeah. um, that's the bench. Slash DH. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I think that makes a lot of sense. And then pitching. And if I had to pick a pitcher right now, I know we haven't seen a ton of them, but I'm picking Aaron Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. I think Aaron Brooks is making the, the, uh, I mean, he got added to the 40 man already. It seems pretty right. obvious. They want him, uh, on the team and, uh, Brooks for Hagen, I think are both making the team and the, and then the rest, it's all the guys you would have expected from the beginning. Yeah, I think everyone else is pretty well locked in. You have to, it's going to be Gallegos, Cabrera. It's nice to see Helsley. We haven't seen Helsley right. in a while. It was nice to see him come out and throw gas, although, you know, control is always going to be a thing for him. Um, you have to imagine Wickren and McFarland. And then, yeah, Hicks, of course. Um, and then, yeah, I think I, it might be, it might be shuffling around. I, I do think, you know, we've watched Aaron Brooks strike out more than one guy per inning already. Um, in you know, in very limited time, but I, I think they're going to let that ride. Um, I cannot remember if he signed a big league contract or not, or did he just have an invite? But he is, uh, he he seems to be the guy that's standing out the most, and who is having, you know, I guess like the 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 most eye popping spring out of that group of people we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think we probably what we're saying now a week out is probably what the roster will be barring any yeah. injuries or, or, or surprises. No more injuries to the pitching, please. <laughs> yes. Yes. Flaherty is very optimistic. I mean, of course he is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to be optimistic as well. Um, all right. So we'll find out. We will know all the answers <laughs> to all of these questions. Yes, we will. Uh, within a week. So, uh, <laughs> let's talk more broadly uh, off season is wrapping up. Most major transactions are done. Uh, most major free agents are signed. Not everyone, but most major free agents are signed. Um, what the hell is happening with Michael Conforto? That's exactly who I was thinking about too. At what this point, I'm like Cardinals, let's go get him for one year. He has Seriously. been at times one of the best bats in, in the league. I, I don't understand it either. Maybe there's something medical that we don't know or his asking price is he's like unwilling to budge in his asking price. Uh, he was not very good last year and he's been not good at times throughout his entire career. So I could understand no team wanting to commit something big to him. I, I don't know. I, I've been a Conforto fan for a while. Uh, I think you he, and I both wanted him to be a Cardinal, but like, yeah. you know, it something's going on. He seems like... The, the most ideal pillow con contract candidate 
in recent memory. Like go get on with the team, try to have a good offensive year, and then you could go make bank. Not going back to the Mets, they don't need him anymore. They've they've yeah. filled that spot twice uh, essentially with Marte and McNeil or not McNeil uh, uh, Canna. Right. Um, so I mean, he's not going there. I, I am shocked that he is not caught on with the team yet. He's going to have no time to warm up. And man, I would love if the Cardinals got after him and, <laughs> and just kind of pushed Corey Dickerson to the side. But I don't right, think yeah. that's going to happen. It'd be yeah, it'd be like dropping Dickerson already for for Conforto. So yeah. Uh, I wonder if the Cardinals would, you know, now we, well, there's got to be something going on with Conforto that we just don't know about because I, I can't imagine why he would not be on a team. And so what, what I was going to say is I wonder if the Cardinals, like if they had not signed Dickerson would now be thinking about Conforto because of his, his confusing right. availability. Well, not only has he not signed, I feel like I have not heard anything. No. There's no traction on anything. At least it's coming out to the public about not only what's going on, what he's asking for, who he's talking to. It seems like he's just vacationing somewhere or something. I don't, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> maybe, maybe he is. He had a couple of good years. He, for, in arbitration. he forgot. Maybe he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Toby style. <laughs> so we wanted to talk a little bit about winners and losers of the off season outside of Michael Conforto. Uh, so Ben, who are your winners from this off season? Oh, Nate, I got some winners. <laughs> I don't Why? know what that was supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Did you want like firework sounds behind that? Yeah. Can you add like a, like a, like a, a bump there in post-production or something? Give me mm. like a, like morning zoo style. I could try. Oh, Nate, I got some winners. <laughs> um, everyone's excited about it. So, okay. My winners for the off season. Mets. I think the Mets did a great job. The Steve Cohen effect is real. He doesn't care about taxes, anything like that. He's just going for it. They solved their problems with money, which is something that, as a Cardinals fan, I'm jealous of. Um, Scherzer, Marte, Kana, Escobar, Adovino, some other people are added to that list that I didn't even talk about. Um, I don't know if it's the most interesting or the most thoughtful, but there is something to be said about just going out and getting the best players getting a Scherzer when you have DeGrom um, go, you know, getting a, uh, a Marte when you have a Nemo there, there is something that is just, I, I, re- I respect the game. They're going to be really tough this year. Well, we saw that uh, it was like the biggest news in baseball last Sunday was that the Mets were doing DeGrom Scherzer in one game against the Cardinals. Yes. It was uh, yeah. I mean, Come on, it's maybe the two best pitchers in baseball. You know, two of the top three, I don't know, the two best pitchers in baseball, DeGrom and Scherzer are now the one-two for the Mets. Yeah, it's it's impressive. And uh, the Cardinals held their own, the baby Cardinals that were out they there. Did. They they did fine. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll never, I mean, there's only one person on the planet who has a fastball like Jacob DeGrom, so at least they can, you know, know that, that they don't yeah. have to see that every day. Um. My, my second pick for the winner, and, and I, I apologize, Cardinals fans, and I'm Nate, I'm sorry um, if you hate this, Cubs. I think the Cubs had a really sneaky good offseason. Um, they essentially completely rebuilt their bullpen uh, while not spending that much money. They have a lot of guys that you can bet on, uh, guys like Michael Givens, uh, people who are bounce-back candidates, and people who, if the Cubs aren't having that great of a season, they can easily trade and keep restocking their farm and getting interesting talent back. 
Um, I, I think the Cardinals, I think us fans should be a little worried about the Cubs, especially if things start breaking right for them. Um, uh, outside of those guys. Yes. Ben, yes. How dare you? I know. How dare you? I know. You I was come just to going my to... house. <laughs> <laughs> I was going through the transaction. On the day of like, my Damn. daughter's wedding. <laughs> Uh, I hate you. Um, <laughs> I'll also I'll also throw a Suzuki and Frazier out there. I mean, yeah. Frazier obviously he's had a weird start to his career, but this guy that can go hit thirty bombs, who knows? Suzuki might be one of the most exciting players from Japan. Well, I guess since Otani, so not that long ago, but yeah. uh, still very exciting. Um, yeah, so look I, out, I guess. I agree. We talked about uh, on a recent episode that the Cubs, I thought, did a a very good job at the trade deadline last year too yeah. um, with all their, their trades. They got uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, a very, very well-regarded prospect for, yeah. for Javier Baez. Like they, they did a lot of good stuff. And um, you know, that is a team that I think is rebuilding, but doing it in a way where they intend to also still compete while rebuilding, which is really the right. fun way to go about rebuilding it for, for fans. Like if I were a Cubs fan, I'd be probably pretty happy about what the Cubs have done, even though they haven't yeah. you know, last year, they missed the playoffs and they haven't really had a good run for a couple of years now. Like you have to feel pretty confident in the direction that the team is heading, which uh, you know, we love to stomp on the Cubs and give them shit, but it's more fun when the Cubs are competitive. So I, I welcome a good Cubs team. Um, you know, I, I like it when they are also good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like I said, I think, Watch out for that bullpen, and if some of those young guys click on the offensive side, they could be a, a thorn. We'll, we'll see. Um, talking about rebuilding pitching, the Giants, uh, they're my uh, last winner of the offseason. They completely – well, they either retained or completely rebuilt their entire starting rotation. Uh, so they retained Alex Wood and Descalfani, De uh, added Cobb, uh, Alex Cobb, Jacob Junis, Carlos Rodon, uh, Boyd um, and Matthew Boyd. I was forgetting his first name. Matthew Boyd from the Tigers uh, and Carlos Martinez. Um, all of those guys are capable of having really good years. They're all going to be in a ballpark that really is going to play up with them. They have a good defense behind them. They did it last year. I am afraid of the Giants. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Rodon. I think uh, if he's healthy, like he's a dark horse Cy Young candidate for me. Um, yep. Going to the Giants is like the best outcome for him um I agree. so yeah uh they did what we all kind of wish the cardinals would be doing right now which is just stacking uh you know low risk medium high reward starters if Carmar doesn't bounce back oh well uh yeah. but he also has been an all-star a couple times and we all know what good Carmar looks like you know so uh boyd has been good junis has been good already talked about Rodon Cobb look started to look really good last year. Yeah. Uh, they've got more starters than they need, but they're going to need them all to fill that rotation that basically exited at the end of their 107 game uh, season yeah. last year. I think their offense is still going to be going to struggle a little bit. Longoria is now hurt. Um, I, you know, they, they added Bryant last year and, and then he left. So I, I'm worried about them because they, they won 107 games last year uh, with a team constructed very similar to the one that we're seeing going into this year. Uh, but there are, there's outcomes where this is 
you know, they're not great because yeah. so too many of these low risk, medium, high reward guys uh, are on the lower end of the reward spectrum and their offense does not click like it did last year. Uh, and they could be bad, but I, I do, they took a very methodical approach to the off season. Yeah. I, I think what impressed me too, was the dollar amounts that those guys got signed for. That's, you know, yeah. the Rodon being the, the highest dollar amount. And that's still what I think it was 44 million over a couple yeah. of years. So impressive. Uh, yeah. I, th- I also think that, you know, they have to deal with the losing of Posey for Joey Bart, which is even though Joey Bart is fairly highly touted, that's just a downgrade still because Posey, Poster Posey yeah. is yeah who he is. Um, uh, so yeah, those, those are my winners. I got a couple of honorable mentions that I'm just going to go through really quickly. Okay. Um, the Rangers for spending a bajillion dollars and <laughs> yeah. going and getting their guys. I just love that. Good for, you know, Rangers fans have something to watch this year and I hope they take a step forward. I hope they're rewarded for their spend. Uh, cause that's always fun. Um, angels, they sure are trying. They yeah. are, they're doing everything. They're just not very smart about how they go about it. In my <laughs> opinion, um, like, the fact that they they could have signed any of those guys I just listed for the Giants, but they decided to give twenty million plus to Noah Syndergaard. Um, sure, that makes sense, I guess, when they need pitching, pitching, pitching. But maybe Noah has a great year. Who knows? Um, and then also, I'll, I'll shout out honorable mention to the Phillies. Kind of like the Mets off season, so just throw money at the problem and hopefully we're better. I, I do think that they're better. I think that they're going to be a fun team to watch this off season. Not sure they totally addressed what their actual problems were, um, <laughs> but you know they spent some money. A team full of DHs, I love it. Yes, um, the only team you haven't mentioned yet that I think uh, has been one of the most talked about teams this off season, but I think ultimately have made the best baseball moves uh, or some of the best baseball moves is the Braves. Um, adding like maybe the best power hitting first baseman and signing him to a a great deal through his peak years is fantastic. And then going and getting Kenley Jansen, uh, now to be their closer. Um, I, I, those are two very big moves that I, I suspect are going to pay off very well for the returning world series champs. Yeah, no, I, and I, I think my favorite team in the East is still the Braves. I, I was yeah. kind of looking for uh, moves that I thought moved the needle the most rather than sure. I, I just thought were smart because I'd also, in that in that line of thought, you know, the Dodgers adding, adding uh, Freddie Freeman is, is pretty right. impressive as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right, and Braves are going to be really, really good this year. Yes. Especially with a healthy Acuna. That's, I can't wait. I really hope he can play 150 plus this year. I, yeah. I love watching him play. Yeah, it's crazy they they did so well and won last year with their best player and maybe the best player in the in baseball uh, being out for the majority of the year. Right. Um, okay. Um, so so those are the winners. Uh, who are your losers? Loser. Um, there, there'll be another thing that Nate will add there. So thanks. <laughs> stop Nate, for stop committing me to sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely going to make it sound really cool right there. Um, not the lame thing that I did. Loser. Uh, thanks, Nate. Uh, so the first team I have listed here is the Orioles because, like, what what are we doing here? They've become an absolute joke. I think that they should burn down the stadium and they should move to Nashville or something. I feel bad for Orioles fans. The only meaningful move that they did this uh, offseason was bringing Jordan Lyles for $7 million. <laughs> guy that's going to throw like maybe 140 innings with a five plus ERA. Um, 
I mean, it's just laughable at this point. They've been bad for so long that they don't even deserve the breath that I'm using right now to talk about them and make fun of them. (laughs) It's bullshit. It really is bullshit. Yeah. You're allowed to rebuild. I'm okay with taking a step back to take a step forward. But when it's six years of it and you still can't commit to anyone financially, they're talking about trading Cedric Mullins this offseason. Like how long is it going to be until you think you're competitive? Well, that Chris Davis contract is still stings, you know, so they they really, they're still paying that one off. Yeah, I guess I feel bad for them. Uh, My next loser, the Guardians. I put them in kind of a similar bucket as the Orioles of just, they've completely just stopped being competitive for financial reasons. Um, Lucky for Guardians and Guardians fans, they have an unbelievably talented pitching development staff that just seems to spring out really, really talented starters um, seemingly out of nowhere. What we had Tristan McKenzie, Aaron Savali uh, is please act still around there. Yes. Um, Shane Bieber. Um, and I think I'm missing somebody, uh, but there were only real moves of note this off season. They spent about $4 million on Brian Shaw. Most of that was on Brian Shaw, um, who is a heavy Cinco Paul reliever. Who's in his mid thirties whatever yeah uh, and catch <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> and they're uh, i think he's a backup he might even be starting for them uh because who cares about the guardians but luke maley catcher mm, boring but i mean it really just boils down to just not spending any yeah, money they did i mean that's basically nothing yeah um and now i got a little more exciting this is my takey loser okay. um, and you know feel free to argue with me all you want yankees Nice. I thought the Yankees, and I know the Yankees are projected to be a pretty solid team this year, but really they didn't do that much. They did a trade that I laughed about because it really just cleared money for the rival team of theirs to go get Carlos (laughs) Correa. While that team didn't really take that much of a hit, in my opinion, talent wise, I do think like the more, you know, we've looked into it or I've been able to spend time with it. Like Josh Donaldson is definitely a better player than uh, Gio Urshela. I'll concede that, but I'll take the infield of Gio Urshela and Carlos Correa over Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa all day. Yeah. Um, Not to mention, outside of that, their only real move uh, beyond that trade was signing Anthony Rizzo, which I think was fine. But what I find baffling is that the Yankees are supposed to be the Yankees, and they just keep rolling the dice on a bunch of off-injured sluggers and pitchers who can't stay healthy. They have not proven to stay healthy. And I don't under like how many times can you do the same thing in a row and, you know, keep expecting a different outcome. I find it baffling. Well, the rumor is there uh, a big thing they've been working on this off season is their plan to approach Aaron judge with an extension, um, which I get Aaron judge is awesome, but he is in that camp that you're talking about of oft injured slugger uh, that they right. just keep stacking their team with, uh, throw Josh Donaldson in that pile. Now another oft injured slugger, you know, they're gambling on all of them lining up at the exact same time. And they just mash everybody. You know, it's the Bronx bombers or whatever. That's the Yankees way, but you're right. It hasn't been successful. This is arguably the the worst stretch of Yankees baseball in like this last like 12 years or whatever uh, has been, has been a real low point, even though they are a pretty good team. And I expect that they will make the playoffs this year. Uh, it just did seem like in the East, uh, you have teams loading up like the Blue Jays, uh, Red Sox went and got Trevor Story, and the Yankees 
did a trade that I do think improved the team, not including what they could have signed, but just the trade itself made the team better. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's not the same as going and getting Correa or, or Trevor Story or Corey Seager or Lindor or not Lindor. He those last season, but you yeah. know, the result or Baez, yeah. there was a lot of opportunity for them to improve their team. And um, they took the less flashy route, yeah. which is not very Yankees. And, and, yeah. And it's like, you're looking, you got judge Stanton, Donaldson, Hicks, um, Aroldis Chapman has been injured. Louis, Louis Severino has been injured. Yeah. Um, Jamison Tyone has been injured. It's just, a. I'm, I'm more baffled by it. Like I said, yeah. I expect them to be somewhat competitive this year. Still. I think they'll, you know, they'll have something to say about the race in the East. I just, it's, it's strange to me. Like I said, they seem to just be continuing to try the same thing over and over again and, and end up where they are. So it's, anyways, that's, that's my takey pick for loser. I agree. You know, what's funny though. I was just thinking is that for a very long time, the thing that everyone hated on the Yankees is that they went and bought everybody. And that was like <laughs> the thing you hated the Yankees about is that they spend more money than everyone and it sucks. Uh, and now they they still have a crazy high uh, salary, but th- they don't have that reputation and, and just economics. And I think our worldview on owners spending money has switched so much now that we're like, yeah. hell yeah, go spend money. These players should be paid. The teams that are that are buying players are the good teams, and the teams that are yeah. not buying players are the bad teams. Uh, it's it's just a fundamental switch, and I think like the Yankees have to be like, what? come on, you gave us shit for fifty <laughs> years about being the team that buys players, and we finally are going more player development approach, and everyone's pissed that we're not buying players. Right. Well, I think you know us all kind of slowly having the realization that each team is worth billions of dollars and they're, you know, signing contracts with Apple and yeah. MLB owners are looking at buying premier league soccer teams is like a side hustle. It's like, yeah. Oh, well you guys are just crying poor when you are some of the richest people in the world. And yes, y- you can provide, y- you can pay a couple of these guys a little more money to make our team good. It's made me feel a lot less empathetic towards any of their plights. And I think most baseball fans feel that way. Yeah, it's funny that, you know, there there was a saying that it used to be like, oh, as you get older, you'll you'll get more conservative. And I think like our generation is like the more we get older, the more we're like, eat the rich. Yeah. <laughs> so. There's a lot of money out there and I have a very small amount of it. <laughs> uh, everything is awful. All right. Um, so I, I think that'll conclude this segment, uh, which time been losers. <laughs> there we go. Another pop. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, I've got a new one here for you, Ben. Yeah. Uh, Listen, folks, I'm, I, I, I take feedback. Okay. I listen to feedback and I know our show is called talking about birds and we don't spend (laughs) very much time talking about birds. Okay. Not directly. Abstractly, we talk about birds, but we don't spend a lot of time talking about literal birds. And uh, I'm here to rectify that this week with a brand new segment. I'm calling, I'm calling (laughs) bird or boy. 
spend too long working on that stupid little clip it was uh, good <laughs> all right ben i've got a list here of names uh okay it is either the name the last name of a real major league baseball player okay or a type of bird <laughs> okay <laughs> this is, this is like their their latin name or no it is yeah it is, uh, it is just what what they are called. Not okay. not trying to pull any tricks here. This is just the name of the bird. Right. Uh, you know, like you would like mallard, right? Uh, uh-huh. That is not one of them. Right. Uh, so I just got to say, boy or bird. You have to say boy or bird. And okay. uh, if this. it is after you give me the guess, if it is a bird, you will hear this. <laughs> And if it is a boy, you will hear this overly aggressive umpire. Okay, wow. <laughs> Those both sound like losing noises, so I can't wait. <laughs> there is no winner in this game. Um, <laughs> all right. Bring it. The, I got this. The first one for you. Kappa Kaylee. Kappa Kaylee. Is that Kappa a type Kaylee. of bird? And I'm guessing this is yeah. or the last name. I'm guessing this is like baseball from all time, like 1880s on, right? It's baseball of okay. all time. Okay. I'm going to say Capacaley, Capacaley. That sounds like a tropical bird to me. I'm going even though I always do it for the boys. I'm going bird on this one. Let's see. You got it. <laughs> this one is a bird. Uh, it is actually a, a capicale is a huge woodland grouse. The large black males are <laughs> unmistakable. They spend a lot of time feeding on the ground, but may also be found in trees, feeding on shoots and buds. They are a localized breeding species found in Scottish native pine wood, a rare and vulnerable habitat, and wow. in commercial conifer plantations. I don't know what most of that means, but it sounds exciting. <laughs> I like the, the very presumptuous copy here saying they were unmistakable. Like my ass. The, nobody knows what a Capacale is. You do now. Uh, well, I do, right. yeah. I, guess I, I nailed it, so eat it. Moving on. Roughing. 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 <sighs> That's a tough one. I went to high school with a guy who played a little minor league baseball, and his name was Rolfing. But it wasn't roughing. Darren Ruff, but that's not roughing either. It just seems like who would name a bird that? But also there are like one billion different types of birds. Um, I'm going to go with it's a boy. Let's check. Yeah, It's a boy. <laughs> who Red, is that? Red Ruffing. Hall of Fame pitcher for the Yankees and Red Sox. Oh, wow. Debuted in 1924. Earned 68.6 B War over his career. Wow. He's a, like, he, I should know that name, I feel I like. I guess so. I didn't know it either. Wow. Yeah. All right. Gasaway. 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 
I mean, it makes me think of the Gas House Gang, but there would be no affiliation there, so that doesn't really make sense or add up to this. I have absolutely no idea, but I shall confidently declare it's a bird. Damn it! (laughs) (laughs) Charlie Gassaway pitched 180 innings in the 40s to a negative 0.4 war. (laughs) (laughs) I could just imagine you sitting on B-Ref looking for weird-ass names that maybe sound like a bird. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's exactly what I did. Uh Uh, That's a very good baseball name. Yeah, Charlie Gassaway. Yeah, he was born in Gassaway, Tennessee. So, huh. uh, yeah. Is that like a holler? What? Oh, <laughs> yes. I think it's the holler. Um, all right. Cormorant. Cormorant. That definitely sounds like a middle inning reliever, but I think that is probably why you chose it, because I know you're a little trickster. Um so I'm going to say, tweet, tweet, it's a bird. Yes. You got it. Uh, cormorant, a large black and conspicuous water bird. The cormorant has an almost primitive appearance with its long neck, making it appear reptilian. It is often seen standing with its wings held out to dry. Regarded by some as <laughs> sinister and greedy, cormorants are supreme fishers, which can bring them into conflict with anglers thus causing them to be persecuted in the past. What the hell? Why are people hating on this poor bird? Well, it's a spooky reptilian fisher bird. <laughs> I, it sounds terrifying. Oh, I kind of like him. Yeah. He, uh, it, it sounds like, like Nabil Chrismat or something like that. I don't know yeah. why I had that in my head. Well, but, yeah. what's, there's a, um, the, the uh, uh, rays have a, a prospect like cormorants or something like that, that it made know, me okay. think of. So, uh, moving on. Gilamot. 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 That, I mean, that sounds like a reptile to me or something. Gilamot. Oh my God. I don't have no idea what the etymology or what part of the world that kind of word would come from. Oh, it sounds like some type of monster. So I'm going to go tweet, tweet bird. Yes, you're you're doing well at bird or boy so far. <laughs> it uh, sounds like something that Godzilla would be fighting. Oh no, Gilamot! No, not Gilamot. The UK's ghosts. The UK's ghosts. The UK's coasts have many stretches of sheer cliffs where seabirds breed, and the Gilamot is one of the most numerous birds in the great seabird cities. It comes wow. to land only to rest, spending the rest of its life at sea where it is vulnerable to oil spills. Dark brown, <laughs> dark brown and white, not as black as the similar razor bill. It is, it has a bridled form with a white ring round the eye and stripe behind it. Wow. That was definitely some bird facts. Yeah. Yep. All right. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Vowinkle. 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 That... Who nobody would name a bird something that ridiculous. That has to be a name that you're born with. I'm going back to boy on this one. Yeah, yes. got it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I shit you not, Ben. Rip Vowinkle 
pitched what? 45 innings in 1905 to a negative 0.64, uh, a 0.6 war. <laughs> he went by Rip? It was Rip Vowinkle. That's like... Vowinkle, one that word. Whole person's <laughs> life sounds like a joke or a bit or something like that. Well, he pitched 45 innings in 1905. Scrub. All right. Jackdaw. 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 That's two names. Jack and Daw. Um, <laughs> that seems... And this, I'm really just on a wing and a prayer at this point. That that really seems too intended. bizarre. Oh, oh, hey, talking about birds. Um, I'm going to go with a tweet tweet bird. You are on fire. Yes. God, I'm so good at these games. <laughs> this is a small black crow with a distinctive silvery sheen to the back of its mm. head. The pale eyes are also noticeable. The jackdaw call is a familiar hard to check i don't know how to read it to check for from which it gets its name it will commonly rest in chimneys buildings rock crevices and tree holes this i had heard i'd heard of a jackdaw uh well all right look at you moving on panther panther (laughs) i mean that would be the coolest last name of all time is a guy is there somebody named like Ronnie Panther, who was big in the 80s or something. I mean, they're also, there's no way. I can't imagine somebody just looking at that bird and calling it a panther. That's insane to me. That, you know, like looking at a turtle and being like, this this turtle, we're going to call this cat. This is cat turtle. <laughs> um, so based on that logic, I'm going to go with that's a boy. Yes! <laughs> What's his first name? What a great last name. Jim Panther pitched for wow. three years in the 1970s, 130 total innings. Wow. That yeah. he should be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I just got a couple more. You are uh you're crushing it. Shell duck. <laughs> that has to be no wait, you're fucking with me, aren't you? Um that because the evil smile that I can see on your face, it's gotta be a boy. Is that your guess? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I mean, I know ducks in the name, but I just thought you were. I thought uh, you'd so I thought you would think it must be uh, a, a a boy because there's no way it could be a duck because duck is in the name. <laughs> but nope, shell duck. This is a big, Ooh. colorful duck, bigger than a mollard, but smaller than a goose. Both sexes yeah. have a dark green head and a neck. Uh, not hand a uh, neck, a dark green head and neck, <laughs> a chestnut belly stripe and a red bill. Shell duck. Wow, sounds like a Pokemon. Should have got that one. Yeah, yeah. I just trust <laughs> it has that. duck in the name. Ugh. All right, last one. All right, peacock. <laughs> well, wait. <laughs> I know for sure Brad Peacock is a professional baseball player. And I have seen peacocks in the wild, so I'm going to say it's a duck and a boy. Or I mean, a bird and a boy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. It's both. Uh, Brad Brad Peacock, Matt Peacock, Johnny Uh Peacock, and a guy whose baseball reference page is just Peacock 
have all been <laughs> professional baseball players. Uh, and peacocks, also called peafowl, any of three species of resplendent birds of the pheasant family. <laughs> Strictly, the male is a peacock and the female is a peahen. Both are peafowl. You sound insane reading bird copy off like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's part though. Well, there you go. Good job, Ben. I think you got wow. eight of ten uh, hey. uh, bird or boy correct. It's pretty. I, I I should have nine to ten. I really shot myself in the foot there, so I apologize to all the fans expecting more out of me. <laughs> you get a B. 80%. Thank you. Uh, well, I hope that you enjoyed this dumb game. And, <laughs> <laughs> and for all of you that have just been demanding bird facts, I hope that this has satiated that desire that you, you feel satisfied. Uh, you know, this show is here for everyone. So, so thank you for your feedback. <laughs> Stop um, showing up to Nate's house and asking for bird facts. The brick through the window was a little much. <laughs> uh, so that'll do it for this week's episode of Talking About Birds. Again, tweet us at TalkAboutBirds or reach out uh, TalkAboutBirds at gmail.com. Um, and only one week to go until opening day. And until next week, go Cards. Let's go, Albert. Kingdom.